It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors want to be the Boston Celtics, but they just ain't. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. So. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, November the 13th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter or X or whatever you call it these days to suit your fancy at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, come hang out in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. It's the place to be. We've got all sorts of fans of the show who follow along with to talk about the games as they're going on, with to talk about stuff in between the games. Oh, the stuff we talk about in between games. It's a great place. It's a, it's a friendly community, non-toxic. What a world. Come talk about the Raptors on the internet in a nice place. In the Lockdown Raptors Discord link is in the description of the podcast. Uh, also, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, etc. Also, find us on YouTube and hit the big subscribe little notification button. Uh, and when you do that, you get the little bell checked on. You'll get notifications every time the show is about to premiere, which is a great thing because you never, never, never miss an episode. And of course, we do episodes each and every day. Huge shouts to our everydayers out there. Okay. On today's show, which is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA. Use the code all lowercase locked in NBA for your first deposit matchup to $100. We're diving in to the Toronto Raptors 117 94 loss against the Boston Celtics on Saturday. You know, feeling good coming off the win against the Mavs, thinking, ooh, upset city. Do they finish off the road trip three and one and have us all feeling fantastic? Uh, not so much. Uh, we'll get into what happened in this one, where it all went awry on the offensive end for the Raptors, and, and more sort of like a big picture comparison, I think, between the Raptors and Celtics, who obviously are very differently built teams. The Celtics are basically a perfectly optimized roster right now. Uh, the Raptors are hoping to get there one day. And I think we saw the sort of gulf between the theory of what the Raptors want to do and what they're actually capable of. I think the Raptors, given their druthers, uh, would be able would what will be playing basketball the exact same way the Boston Celtics do, right? Where it's quick drive, kick, pass, very simple basketball. It's not that hard when you have tons of spacing and tons of shooting talent and uh, spacing from the five and all of this stuff. The Raptors don't have a lot of those things, and so they're left playing a sort of sadder version of what the Celtics are able to do, kind of with impunity. Uh, the Raptors run into their limitations quite a bit, and we'll kind of dig into that today. we got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up later on as well. But let's begin with where things went wrong for this one in this one for the Raptors. And I think mostly 
This one came down to the wing defense for the Raptors, the perimeter defense for the Raptors, one through five, just not being good enough. Like I said, Boston plays the way I think the Raptors want to play. They just have much better tools for it on the offensive end, right? Where all other guys can put the ball on the deck. You know, Jalen Brown can only do it with one hand, but he does it pretty darn well, uh, as he did in this game. Um, you know, you have, again, spacing at the five. So there's just driving lanes all over the place for these guys to get downhill. Drew Holiday is awesome. He can turn the corner on just about anybody. And I think you really saw, you know, just sort of, again, this is like peak basketball, what the Celtics are doing right now. It makes me very mad. I hate it. I don't love heaping compliments onto the Boston Celtics. It makes me sick to my stomach, but it's just the way it is. I think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think they're the team with the best chance of unseating the Denver Nuggets if and when they make the, the finals and play them. Um, they're just a really competently built basketball team all the way through, minus all of the Raptors rejects who make up roster spots 11 through 15 or whatever on this team. Um, you know, I think, you know, they just, the, the, the whole thing is we're going to get pain touches and that's going to lead to good things. And this is what the Raptors want to do, right? They want to be able to drive, kick, make quick decisions on the kick, you know, whether it's a swing, whether it's a drive, whether it's a shot. It's a very simple concept, but the Celtics are able to do this because their guys can get downhill basically at any time. And uh, I think the Raptors wing defense really helped them in this one. This was not a banner day for OG Ananobi, uh, Scotty Barnes, Dennis Schroeder, even, um, you know, Jakob Pertle got burned a couple times by Chris Tapp's Porzingis driving by him. And look, that's what, that's why you have a stretch, stretch center like Chris Tapp's Porzingis who can, get the ball up high and either bomb away a three that no one can touch because he's seven foot three, or he can put it on the deck and score around a guy. And Jakob Pertle, for all that he's good at, you know, this was a tough matchup for him on the defensive end, but that's by design. The Celtics are designed to put all of the opposing defenders in a tough position. Um, you know, I think we saw the limits of Scotty guarding on the perimeter in this one, right? It was not terribly effective trying to guard either Jalen Brown or Drew Holiday. Holiday got around Barnes a ton in this game. Um, you know, Jalen Brown got loose quite a bit. OG was guarding him for a lot of this game. Uh, you know, Brown shoots two of three in those possessions. It wasn't a ton. OG was more so the primary on Tatum, who himself had a pretty decent game. And the Celtics scored a ton when OG guarded him per the matchup data on NBA.com. Um, you know, Tatum just shoots two of four with OG guarding him all on threes, which you'd think, hey, that speaks to OG keeping him to the outside. Not so much. This was a lot of Tatum getting downhill and kicking out for threes. I think he had three assists in this game when guarded by OG. Uh, and the Celtics scored 46 points on 38 possessions on which OG was guarding Tatum for at least a part of the time. Uh, you know, again, Jalen Browns goes four of six with Scotty Barnes guarding him. Uh, just not enough in terms of wing defense to corral the very good drivers on this Celtics team. And all the driving gets easier and the defense gets harder when there's just so much space out there. And that's the kind of Chris Tapp's Porzingis effect. Um, and, and a lot of it also comes down to shot making, right? Like Tatum and Brown had really nice games. We'll get into Tatum coming up later in the hmm and the thing I want to get into. Um, but yeah, just uh, sorry, we'll get him. Yeah, in the hmm, that's where we're going to talk about Tatum. But yeah, just a uh, tough one for the Raptors wing defense in this one. I, I think... Again, there's only so much you can do, right? You know, the, the help is so much further spread out. Yaka Pertle is not where you want him standing at the rim um, because Chris Dapps Brzingis is stretching him out. It, it's just a really challenging team for the Raptors to guard. But this is the thing. The Celtics are a challenging team for everyone to guard. This isn't some sort of like, oh no, uh, ring the alarm, everything is awful type of loss. The Celtics are incredible. They're going to do this to teams. They blow teams out 
basically as just like a, a routine thing for them. And this Raptors team does not quite cut out to match up, you know, on either end of the floor, frankly, you know, they started off strong they were getting Siakam a ton of touches. That was nice. You know, Jakob Pertl went to work a little bit here and there against Chris Stapps. We'll get into that and why that was actually, I think, a symptom of some bad stuff on the offense for the Raptors in this one. Um, but overall, just just too much to contend with. And you're going to lose games like this. It's just kind of and like the Celtics are almost tailor-made to burn the Raptors. They're, they're, they're Again, they're kind of constructed with a similar spirit of let's have just big skilled guys all over the place. They've traded in a little bit of the bigness for a little bit more skill. Uh, and that's obviously, you know, the Raptors are hoping to get to a point where they can have big and skill kind of across the board. That's the dream. That's the utopia. But as, I, as I've talked about in sort of my takedowns of the concept of vision six, nine, in theory, it's perfect, right? It's an, it's an ideal way to play basketball. We're seeing the entire league shift towards the best players are the ones who are the biggest, who have the most skill, problem is there's only so many players like that and you can't construct a full roster out of players like that in a league where you don't have all that much control about where players are going to play because of the draft setup and restricted for agency and just how all of it works um you know if you could go and hand pick a full roster of six nine dudes who combine shooting and skill and handling and all this stuff great you probably have the best team in the history of the world you don't have the capacity to do that. The Celtics have made it work. They obviously have size across the board. Drew Holiday's big for his position. Derek White's big for his position. But they also bring the requisite skills you need to have to make a competent, functional basketball team. And they, of course, are well beyond competent and functional. They are extremely freaking good, and it makes me very angry, and I hate it. Uh, we'll come back on the other side and get into where things went wrong for the offense in this one. We'll talk about Scotty Barnes having probably his worst game of the season, OG Ananobi as well, Jakob Pertl, decent numbers, but I think, again, kind of a symptom of some stuff that was going wrong with the offense that he was able to kind of get off in this one. We will get to that momentarily. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our good friends over at Prize Picks, the number one place to go and play daily fantasy sports. It's a very super duper easy concept. All you're doing is picking two to six players on a given night, and whether they will get more or less than their stats projection courtesy prize picks. There's no shadow expert in the background, you know, putting together a roster that you have no chance of competing with. No, it's uh, it's a perfectly beautiful thing where you're up against the numbers only. That is how it should be. With the basketball season here, you can now pick a combo projection across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10.5 and a combo of three-pointers made and receptions. That is a thing you can make in your entry over on Prize Picks. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. This is a one-of-a-kind thing in the game. For football and basketball games, you have a player who gets injured in the first half of the game and does not return for the second. That player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. You should be playing with Prize Picks. Go check them out. Uh, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedInNBA. Use the code LockedInNBA for your first deposit match to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedInNBA. Promo code locked in NBA for a first deposit match up to $100 with prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Check on the website for locational availability. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day, digging into the Raptors' loss to the Celtics on Saturday. I uh, This game was a bummer, man. I went to the bar to watch this game. My wife was out of town. I was like, I could watch at home, or I could go talk to the bartender and watch the game. Uh, shout out John at Odds Bar, a, a very good dude who loves the NBA, and he's like one of my favorite guys to talk hoop with. Um, but this game stunk, and so we got our, our way through through the uh <laughs> the end of the game uh, the third quarter and i decided i'm gonna settle up and go home um not a banner night to go out and watch this game at a bar to be sure um the offense in this one obviously not very good with this game and the 75 points per possession or points per 100 possessions the raptors scored in the half court the raptors dropped down to 27th in the nba in offense and after miraculously climbing up to 29th in the half-court offense standings, they have fallen back beneath the Portland Trailblazers and are once again the number 30 half-court offense in the NBA. Not what you want. Um, you know, they try to get into the stuff that's good for them, which is transition in this game. They they ran a ton, 20% of the time, more than 20% of the time. That is the, the magic number I've been kind of touting all season long. If they can have one-fifth of their possessions be in transition, they're going to be in good shape because they typically score extremely well in transition. Problem is, Boston, really good defending in transition as well. Again, kind of tailor-made to beat the Raptors at all the stuff they're good at and bad at. Uh, and it's just not a great one, right? They, they score, I think, just 1.2 points per 100 possessions in transition in this game. Not enough to uplift their half-court offense, which was very, very gross. And the Celtics are just really good at getting back and defending and slowing down that transition game, despite how often the Raptors tried to run. So you lose your main source of offense, and the Celtics have this very versatile, switchable, um, you know, obviously the rim protection they have in Chris Porzingis at the back end makes things very difficult. And they were very clearly like funneling stuff to the places they wanted to funnel it, right? OG Ananobi in this game takes uh, 13 shots. He goes two of eight from deep. You're, you're not going to see that all the time, but you know, you're glad to see him put eight up. You can't really win with OG having a game like that when everyone else kind of has a bad game too. Um, but where they were really funneling stuff here, it seemed like with Scotty Barnes, right? Two of nine from three. He goes four of 15 overall. You don't want to see that nine threes to six twos disparity. As much as I'm happy Scotty Barnes is eagerly jacking up threes, there, there's got to be more sort of pressure put on the rim by Scotty Barnes. And look, this isn't to say it was all under his control in this case. You know, I think the Celtics did a pretty good job of not closing out overly aggressively on Scotty Barnes, like say the Spurs did last weekend when the fourth quarter was basically just a byproduct of the Spurs jumping out at him and lurching too quickly, trying to, you know, obstruct those threes leading to him getting downhill and causing all sort of havoc. You know, we saw in this game, there was basically one time where Scotty used the aggressive closeout by a Celtics player to turn it into offense. And it turned it into an instant bucket where Sam Hauser near the end of the first half, like the last Raptors possession, Sam Hauser closes out pretty aggressively on, uh, on Scotty, Scotty pump fakes, drives, dumps it off to Yach for a bucket. And that was great. You'd love to see that. And I think there were a couple times in this game where Scotty maybe missed the opportunity to blow by a guy who was closing out aggressively. Chris Dapps a couple times here and there. But for the most part, the Celtics were very happy to let Scotty Barnes take these threes 
and fire away. And so I'm a little torn on this because you don't want him taking nine threes to six twos. But also, the only way you're going to change the way the defense guards you if you're Scotty Barnes is to hit those threes and make them pay. And then over the course of a game, it's sort of like a decay of their original game plan and they're forced to adjust. And then that is what can open up Scotty Barnes to get downhill where he's absolutely deadly. And so I get him taking those threes. It did feel like there was a couple instances of settling. It's not my favorite, but you know, it's just, you're not going to have Scotty Barnes go five of seven from three all the time, right? Like you're going to have to bake in. They're going to be two of nine nights and you can't have that be the thing that your offense is hanging on. Um, you know, Pascal in this game, I thought started off very well. We'll get into the three point shooting. It's not been good. Uh, we'll get into that at the end of the show, but, um, you know, I don't think Pascal was like a, a problem in this game necessarily. I thought he was really doing a lot of work to kind of carve up the interior of that Celtics defense, a couple of really nice cuts and just sort of really deep seals on post-ups and stuff throughout this one. You want to see a bit of a better game overall, but you know, six of 13 on twos against this Celtics team with that rim protection, you'll take that all the time. Um, you know, I think his numbers more so limited by the lack of transition scoring in this game than anything else. You know, we had a couple misses in transition, things like that. Pretty rare for him. Um, we'll get to the threes with him coming up in a little bit, but I don't think Pascal was the problem here. Really, I think a lot of this game came down to, you know, you look across the court, you see Chris Tapps Porzingis there. Look, I'm not advocating for the Raptors to have Chris Tapps Porzingis on their team because I don't want to root for that dude. Sorry, just I, I'd rather have a, an ill-fitting player than a Chris Tapps Porzingis on my team. Maybe that makes me a loser of a fan. I don't care. Um, you know, the thing is, you know, credit to Yak. I, I think there were a couple times where he really took it to Chris Tapps in this game. But those possessions were very much the byproduct of a lack of spacing to, and then it kind of brought things to a halt, right? You have the offense kind of moving a little bit. Then it comes to Yak. He has the ball around the nail. There's no one guarding him. All of the other guys are kind of sticking to their men. You got to wait for stuff to develop and some more off-ball action to sort of move the offense along a little further. The way they were guarding Yak, it was really just kind of halting the offense when it came to him. And he did the right thing, I think, in a couple of cases and realized, hey, I can kind of score over Chris Stapps. It's fine. I can body him a bit and score. And he did that. But you're not going to win this game trading Yaka Pirtle twos for all of the threes that the Celtics hit in this game. They hit 15 threes. They shot 44 of them. Sam Hauser going off as he typically does against the Raptors. It makes me sick. Um, you know, it, you're just not going to win that way. The math is just too far stacked against you. And when you're having a bad three-point shooting night, it's all just kind of coalescing into one big bad mess. And again, I think, in theory, the Raptors want to play the way the Celtics play offensively, right? The quick drive, kick, make a decision. Like, that's .5 basketball. It's quick decisions kind of flowing through quick passing and quick movement. But that quick passing and movement is usually the byproduct of gaining some sort of edge somewhere where it can kind of snowball the possession. There was no snowballing in this game. It was a lot of just kind of, all right, we'll try this. Oh, it's not working. We'll kick it, swing it around. Try this. Oh, not working. Um, and credit to the wing defense and the perimeter defense and the, the rim all the defense of the Celtics. They're ridiculous. They're a really, really nasty, good basketball team. It makes me sick. <laughs> I'll keep on saying it. You know, credit Drew Holiday having Scotty in hell a couple times as a defender. Like, just nothing easy coming in the half court, which has been the case for this team all season long, but it felt more sort of amplified in this game because they couldn't offset it with their transition whatsoever. And I think really back-to-back -back possession in this game in the third quarter really kind of tell the story and lay bare the difference between these two teams right now. You know, in the first 
of these two possessions. Chris Stapps Porzingis posts up. He kicks it back out to Drew Holiday on the wing, reposts, and then instantly upon the repost entry pass, he kicks it out across to the far wing to Jalen Brown after the Raptors double. Jalen Brown swings it to the corner. Sam Hauser wide open three cash. The next possession down, the Raptors have Pascal Siakam try to drive kind of on the left side. He runs into a couple bodies. He makes the quick, easy pass right to Scotty Barnes. Not a cross-court pass like Chris Tapps could make um, just because the spacing was off. We'll get to that in just seconds here. He kicks it over to Scotty on the near wing. Again, all cramped on that one side of the floor. There was exactly one player on the weak side of the floor in this case. Scotty then kicks to the corner. And in the corner is not just Precious Achua, but also Dennis Schroeder. The spacing just completely nonsensical. Precious shoots an air ball three as Dennis is just kind of standing behind him. And I think those two possessions are just so emblematic of where the Raptors are and where the Celtics want to, or where they want to be getting to, which is the Celtics level. And so uh, again, there's not much you can do. The Celtics are a perfectly built basketball team. They've been built like this and sort of building towards this kind of optimized hoop for a long time. Um, the Raptors are hoping to build to that someday. And they have, you know, plenty of runway because Scotty Barnes is 22 freaking years old. It's all going to be fine. Um, but you're seeing the massive difference between the sort of elite cream of the crop teams and the Raptors, at least when it comes to the specific matchup with Boston, right? They've they've hung with other good teams, obviously, beat Dallas, uh, you know, took down Milwaukee. Are they good? Who knows? Um, you know, they had that signature win over the excellent Minnesota Timberwolves to start the season. The Celtics, though, are just a kind of a different beast, and they are perfectly constructed to pick apart all of the weak parts of this Raptors team and amplify all of the weak parts on the offensive end. And that's just the way it is. It's just the reality when you go up against a championship contender. The Celtics are exactly that. Oh, God, stupid Celtics. We'll come back on the other side, round it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm to close out the show and head you, send you off into the rest of your day ahead of the Wizards game tonight, which hopefully is a bit of a get-well game, getting back home and uh, going up against a team that is not the Boston Celtics by any stretch of the imagination. We'll get to that in just a sec. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up together on the wins and the losses, who starts and who sits, and I'm thankful for that connection we have. Today, I want to chat our chat to be a little bit more personal. Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event, or limited by another supply shortage, you are covered, my friend. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics, and a long list of daily medic medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Even ED generics for Cialis, Viagra, and Revatio prescriptions are available. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. The site is super easy to use. It's an online evaluation using the doctors they have in-house to properly consult you. And you can use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. Again, if you're someone who travels a lot, you want to have this in your bag, the Jace case where you get five emergency antibiotics and full access to their doctors for safe use and how to properly deploy them. It's all there for you. If you or someone you love would like to get some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, we continue on here. Rounding out the show with your first listen of the day with the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we close out every Toronto Raptors game recap episode here on the show. With the good, look, not a lot to choose from here. Pretty bad game overall. I will say the good, though. We'll give it to Malachi Flynn. Why not? Nice to see some shot making out of Malachi Flynn. Win or lose, awful plus minus numbers or not. Shot making has always been the thing that I have said is going to make Malachi Flynn an NBA player. This team needs three-point shooting. This team needs someone who can space it and just kind of knock down wide open catch and shoots when they come to him. And Malachi Flynn is doing that this season, it seems. It's uh it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Again, it's four games now, I would say, where he's played good basketball in a row, but he's also shooting 50% from three this season. That's not going to hold up, but that is in line with him being a better three-point shooter last season, a pretty decent catch-and-shoot guy. It's 2.2 attempts a game. It's not nothing that he's putting up there, and that is something this team badly needs. Going back to the you know the preseason, when we were kind of talking about Jeff Doughton versus Malachi Flynn, you know, that was never really a debate because Flynn has $4 million guaranteed dollars on his contract and Doughton was an unguaranteed guy. Doughton was going to have to absolutely, totally impress and awe-inspire in camp to get that spot over Flynn. But my whole thing with that was Flynn does a thing the Raptors need more than anything Jeff Doughton does as a sort of defense-first ace on the, uh, on the other end. Flynn hits threes, and he's hitting threes so far. That's good. You know, again, we'll, we'll see if this can hold up. He's had stretches before where it's looked good and then kind of fallen off. Um, but they're obviously giving him some run, giving him lots of leeway. And the results seem to be pretty nice for Malachi Flynn coming off again, a really nice game. Maybe the best game of his career on Wednesday against the Mavericks, where he uh, kind of did, did it all on both ends, guarding Kyrie quite well, chipping in on offense, doing all that stuff. It's nice to see. The bad... The bad for this one will go Pascal Siakam's three-point shooting. It's been a rough go since the Milwaukee game where he was five of eight and it was like, oh my God, Pascal's hitting threes. This team is a, is a monster. One of 16 since the Milwaukee game. Not what you want. Look, this team can survive if Pascal Siakam's a 33, 34% shooter, especially if Scotty Barnes is going to be putting threes up this eagerly, this liberally, this effectively. You know, he's down to like 36% after going two of nine in the weekend. But if he can level off somewhere 35, 36% this season, I mean, that's really great. Uh, really, really wonderful. And makes Pascal as a average-ish, slightly below average shooter workable. But if Pascal's shooting 27%, this team's got no shot of having a functional half-court offense. It just doesn't, um, unless they're going to run everything through his post-ups and kind of let it flow from there, which I don't see them doing, which I don't think they want to do, and I don't think they should do. But, um, you know, he's got to be better than 27%. One of 16 over the last few games, not cutting it. That said, positive regression to the mean is coming surely, probably in some kind of hilarious wave where he goes six of eight in a game or something like that. Um, you'd like it to be just a little bit more dependable. Set your watch to it where he can hit two of five every night. Um, you know, that's that would be lovely, but it's probably not going to happen that way. And again, I, you know, Pascal's a very good player in other regards, right? He goes six of 13 in a game where the Raptors weren't getting a whole ton at the rim. He was able to get to the rim quite a bit with his post-up game and all that stuff. Um, he does lots of good stuff, but the three's got to fall. And if they start falling, you're going to see the Raptors win a lot of games. It's just, you know, I think the recipe with him and Scotty are kind of going off and one of them is hitting threes. They're going to be a problem. They're going to be really hard to keep up with because those threes are coming open. They're coming within the rhythm of the offense. Teams are not worried about them, but when they start to worry, 
then things are going to get real exciting because Scotty and Pascal going downhill against a closing out defense is sweet, sweet basketball magic. And so, um, would nice to be nice to see, would be nice to see, blah, uh, Pascal start to hit some of these and get the defenses kind of on their heels a little bit more instead of just letting them put them up the hmm to round things out. Jason Tatum looked like a new man playing the Raptors for the first time without Nick Nurse on the opposing bench in many, many years. Uh, under Nurse, of course, they did a great job getting it out of the, the star's hands, typically, right? Jason Tatum said publicly that the Raptors were the team he liked playing against the least just because of what they threw at him defensively. Obviously, a very different style of defense for this Raptors team. And look, they're the number seven defense in the league. I think what they're doing on defense is objectively the right thing to do uh, and not sending two to the ball all the time, not constantly being in a spot where they're trying to catch up and make up ground lost because they've been overly aggressive and over, overly gambly trying to force turnovers. Ultimately, it's a good thing, but you're going to have to get used to stars like Jason Tatum getting their numbers against the Raptors in a way they just haven't before. Um, and we're starting to see that trend already build up here between, um, you know, Luca got his numbers, Obviously, OG forced him into a whole lot of misses, too, and so it's not so drastic. But Joel Embiid, the Raptors are not an Embiid killer anymore, and I don't think they're going to be a Jason Tatum killer anymore. 27 for him in this game, 10 of 18 shooting, uh, you know, very, very solid. He was a plus 42 in this game, plus 42 in 34 minutes. Good God, uh, that's nuts. I didn't even realize that till now. That's nasty. That's incredible. Jason Tatum's really good. Makes me sick. Once again, the Celtics, everything they do makes me sick because it's so good. Um, but yeah, during the Nurse era, the Raptors in 16 matchups with Nurse as the head coach against Tatum held him under 20 points nine out of 16 times. That's hard to do against Jason Tatum. The dude is just like a walking 25 point a game, 25 point a night guy. Uh, and they held him under 20 more than half of the time they played him in a couple of really nasty games shooting wise in there where he did score more than 22. Um, this one, obviously, again, like the health of the defense is better. There's more structural integrity to the defense. I think um, they're doing the right thing over the long haul, but you saw Tatum go off in this game and did not look terribly bothered by anything the Raptors were doing. Barring an insane OG shuts it all down type of game, this is going to be a thing that stars do against the Raptors now. And that's what stars do against most teams. So it shouldn't be like all that bad thing. You know, it probably has positive impacts as far as like fewer Sam Hauser threes, although he was four of six in this game against the Raptors in a past era. He might've been eight of 11 in this game, uh, <laughs> considering all the extra attention they would have sent to Tatum. You know, the Celtics are just hard to deal with, man. And it's because Jason Tatum's awesome. He gets to the rim basically whenever he wants. Uh, and it all flows from there. So again, nothing like too concerning here, but uh, the hmm is a continued trend of, oh yeah, the guys the Raptors used to really, really bother and shut down, they're not having that same trouble. Um, we'll see if that uh, translates to sort of different results over the year. My hunch is that the overall health of the defense being better will be worth the stars going off once in a while against the Raptors. And uh, in, in the long haul, they'll be much better off for it. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again, I think, tonight with Vivek Jacob as we'll recap the game against the Wizards after it goes down tonight. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, we will talk to you then. Um, please subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend, etc., etc. We're on YouTube. Hit the little notification bell so you never miss an episode when it goes live. 
And we will be back again, again, tonight, talking Raptors, Wizards, hopefully not talking about an embarrassing loss to an embarrassing basketball team. But who knows? A couple Mondays ago, we thought that was the same thing with the Blazers. Fingers crossed. Either way, have a good rest of your day. We'll talk to you tonight. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.